Hello, everybody. We're welcome you to Empowering Pastors and Leaders, and we're excited uh, that today we have a special guest. Tiff Shuttlesworth will be with us, and uh, he's a successful uh, evangelist, 43 years on the road, and uh, 43 years on the road as an evangelist means you cannot be a failure. If you're a failure, you're done within a very short period of time. So he's not only been able to build a ministry where many, many literally hundreds of thousands of people have been born again, but also uh, literally being able to build a ministry that is debt-free and um, that he runs. He has employees. He has amazing amounts of television, uh, YouTube. He does stuff all over the world. And so welcome with me uh, evangelist Tiff Shuttlesworth as he's getting ready to teach. I think you got that. Oh, yeah, I think all right, if you have your Bibles, open with me to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Uh, there is a clock on the wall. There is a camera between me and the clock. So Pastor Cody, give me a thumbs up for Pastor Chad about five minutes till so I can wrap up. Because when I start speaking, I have no concept of time. By the way, if you don't already follow us on YouTube and social media and Instagram and Twitter, if you're interested in evangelism, Great Commission, and becoming a student of the Bible in greater ways. I hope you'll take advantage of all of the free content the podcast channel makes available to you. I want to speak today on the subject of created for growth. And I want to read to you a, a famous parable out of Luke's Gospel in the 13th chapter, beginning to read at verse 6. The Bible says, Then Jesus told this story. A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it, but he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years and there has not been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. This parable is actually quite a sobering and serious parable when you review the content and what Christ is communicating because the theme here is the barren tree eventually will be cut down and disposed of. It gives us a glimpse of God that a lot of people won't preach on, and that glimpse of God is God does not tolerate failure, and God does not tolerate dysfunction, and God does not tolerate failure to produce. So I want to just help you. I don't want to condemn or place heaps of guilt or or try to shove a Bible down anybody's throat, but I want to share with you the biblical principles that always produce growth because God is a God of growth. And the message that I want to encourage you with is you were created for growth. And if you're not being productive and if you're not fruitful and if your trajectory is not always forward and always upward, I want you to be able to biblically discern why am I not productive? Why am I not growing? Why am I not seeing miraculous wind in the sails of my vision? And if the Lord will help me to do that, 
That is our goal. Let's take a moment to pray. Father, we never open up the sacred scriptures without an awareness that only the Holy Spirit is the perfect, rich, understanding, merciful mentor who guides us and leads us into the ways of the Lord. And we're asking you to help us with that today. I pray for every single person within the sound of my voice. I pray that today's message would be life-changing. I pray that it would be encouraging. I pray that it would cause them to do self-examination. I pray that they would begin to execute steps in their ministries and lives and businesses that perhaps have not been as fruitful as what you have created them for. May their lives fulfill the destiny of God. And above all, I pray that not one person listening to me will be left behind. I pray they'd not be so busy in the work of what they're doing that they forget to live holy and to be ready. Keep us ready for the soon coming of Christ. And until the sound of the trumpet, I pray that you would remind us that there is no greater cause than winning the lost and make us all extremely productive at that, for that is why Christ came. As he said in Luke 19.10, he gave the great mission statement of all corporate mission statements. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Revive us to remember that there is no greater cause than winning the lost. May everything that we do attach itself to that in some way by the will of God. And we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. If you're taking notes, one of the things that I want you to capture out of this is God is rich in mercy. I'm certainly not going to deny that. But God expects fruitfulness. And God does not tolerate barrenness year after year. I'm going to try to break this down into three bite-sized pieces in the moments that we have together. Number one, if you're taking notes, he had a desire. What was the desire? The desire was he wanted to see fruit. But he also had a disappointment. What was the disappointment? The tree was not producing his desire. And then it moved into a totally unexpected level. He had a disgust. It became apparent that he was disgusted by a barren tree taking up room in his garden. I wonder if the next Sunday morning as we all attend church, if the Holy Spirit were to quantify what we're seeing in this parable, how many people attend churches that are just taking up room in the garden? It's not that they don't attend the garden. It's not that they're not sitting in the garden. It's not that they're not a real tree, but they're just taking up room in the church. Or as my father said, if you don't like the way I preach, please leave. We're going to need your seat. I don't know that that's probably the most gracious way of building a church, but you'd have to understand my father. All right, let me break this down in three points. Number one, God created growth. If you're going to be a productive person, and when I say productive, I'm talking about supernaturally productive, above and beyond all that you're able to ask or think. Let me tell you something. If you can sit down in a corporate board meeting or in a church board meeting or with an alliance of people that counsel you and advise you, if you can sit down at a business table and come up with a creative plan and begin to figure out how you're going to execute that plan, God's not in it. 
Because the plans that God will give you will be so big and so supernatural that it will require you every day to get down on your knees and say, God, how in the world do you expect me to accomplish this? I don't have the ability, but you have the ability. And I praise you, God, that you never give visions that are unattainable. And so, though it may be unattainable to my carnal mind, it is not unattainable to my spirit man who is anointed by God to create the impossible. For the Bible still says in the 21st century, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. If there ever were a time in the church age that ministries and ministers and Christians and businessmen and businesswomen need to be not only all hands on deck, but saying, God, give me something so large that it lights a fire in my bosom every morning when I roll out of bed to know that me and God are doing something I cannot do alone. Genesis 1, 11 through 12, I want you to see God created growth. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produced plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. Every plant, every fruit, every vegetable, every tree, every animal, everything God created, don't miss this, He created not only with the ability to grow, He created with the expectation to grow. You were created in the image of God, Genesis 1, 26 and 27 teaches us. And because you were created in the image of God, the seeds of God's greatness lie inside of you, hopefully not dormant. Because God intended for everything you touch as a born-again believer to multiply and to grow. One of the most fundamental attributes of God is God is a God of life. In the Gospel of John in the 10th chapter, in the 6th verse, the Bible said those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Highlight that. My purpose, Jesus said this, my purpose is to give his sheep, born-again believers, all who have turned from sin, turned to Christ, all who have made Christ Lord and Savior. He said, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. You must live like God lives, 
with a disgust of living below the level that you were created for. You must live with a holy disgust of mediocrity. You must not measure your life by the average Christian or the average church or the average business or the average person in your sphere of influence. You must set your eyes and your faith and your hope upon heaven and the God who created you and said it is my job to make sure you have a rich and satisfying life. But everything God does is cooperative. Salvation is available, but until you receive it through your personal cooperation, it has no effect. Healing is cooperative. Everybody that is not well wants somebody to just lay a hand on them and get better, but there are certain things God created you to do with your body to stay well. Thank you for all those amens. That's why they take the offering first in church. So the first step in being fruitful is you must know and believe. I am created for growth. I'm not one to ask audiences to repeat things, but since it's in the Bible, I dare you to say out loud in the name of Jesus, I am created for growth. Let me hear it. I am created for growth. Number two, God commanded growth. Number one, God created growth. Hopefully by now, and I'm obviously going through this at a fast rate, I'd, I'd prefer having... Uh, three hours instead of 30 minutes, an hour a point, and I still couldn't cover all of the meat on the bone, but at least if you believe the Bible in point one, we should understand without doubt God created you with seeds of greatness. You were created in His image, and you were created for growth. The very first commandment of God to humanity was be fruitful and multiply. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. From the very beginning of time of creation, man was given a divine command, not a suggestion. It was the command of God, the first command given to humanity, be fruitful and multiply. The same principle was not eradicated in the New Covenant. In the New Testament, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, the Bible says, You must grow. You must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. All glory to Him both now and forever. Amen. The rugged, rough-edged, perhaps not academic apostle, by the name of Peter, was around Jesus long enough to know he was created for growth. And he went from the seashores and the blue-collar living to changing history and destiny because he had fellowship with Jesus Christ and the seeds of greatness in Christ were absorbed into the spirit of the apostles and the Bible said these average men became supermen and turned the world upside down. The Apostle Peter wrote to the New Testament church and gave that commandment, you must grow. John's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 16, the Bible says, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. 
The fruit that God's called you to produce is not just to produce fruit and discard it, but to maintain it, to manage it, to disciple it, to teach it how to grow, preserve its sacred seed. The Bible said, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Because a lot of people in ministry, a lot of people in business, a lot of people that are entrepreneurial, they figure out the production part, but they don't figure out the management part. Making money will never make you successful. Managing money is how you become successful from a biblical perspective. I use the word successful from a biblical perspective. Because Steve Jobs had about 40 to 50 billion when he died without Christ, that's not successful. Even if he was saved, to die with that much money in the bank, you're a failure. Because God didn't create you to take your seed and hoard it. Your seed reproduces other seed, and the seed you sow should be sown into soil that reproduces seed. That's a lesson in of itself. I'll bypass taking the left turn down that highway. So the second step to becoming fruitful is to know that God's not suggesting this for a handful of people. It is the commandment of God for all His sons and daughters. I don't care where you came from. The church I'm preaching in right now, two years ago, and I don't know the exact dates, Pastor Chad can fill in the blanks, but about two years ago there was a man who through the course of his poor decisions and sin and addiction lost everything. Lost his business, lost his employment, lost his wife, lost his house, lost his kids, lost his respect, lost his dignity. Most of all, lost his will to live. And was living in the woods. Demonized or not, I don't know, but it's not God's will for you to live like an animal in the wilderness. But without exaggeration, living in the woods. And some member from Pastor Chad's church in Ithaca, we send ahead in our Lost Lamb events a, a strategic principle called Lost Lamb Covenants. Most churches have no idea the power in that if they had implemented it. But you've got to get people praying for souls if you're going to have growth in a church. You cannot attract souls through events. Only the Holy Spirit can convict people of sin and convince them of their need of Christ. There has to be an atmosphere of the presence of God and the glory of God and the miracle power of God that shows somebody who is below the level of what they were created for. I was not created for failure. I was created for destiny. I was not created for sickness. I was created for health. I was not created for poverty. I was created for blessing and abundance. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that man was literally living in the woods like a wild animal. But somebody in Pastor Chad's church had put his name down on a lost lamb covenant and had been praying for him the month before I came and felt directed to go find him and went out into the woods and found him. Most people wouldn't have had the courage to go even look for a man like that. Now, when you find people like that, you wear camo. I, I think .30-06 is a good caliber. Uh, make sure you're sighted in and go prepared. No, I'm just 
being ornery, but brought them to church. And that night God did what only God can do. He took to someone who had given up on life and Satan had completely bankrupted in every dimension of life. And by faith, when I gave the invitation, you know, I do something quite simple every night. Those of you that have heard me preach through the years, you could probably go through my invitation step by step with me. But one of the things that I always say is not only do I invite the unsaved to receive Christ, I speak to the believer and to the Christian and I say, Christian, if you're listening to me, if you have someone you've invited, if you have a family member, your husband, your wife, your children, your grandchildren, maybe someone from work, someone from college, a neighbor, maybe someone sitting next to you that you've never seen at your local church before, when I give the invitation, I want you to turn to them and say, if you'd like to pray, I'll walk with you. We literally see thousands, without exaggeration, every year we see thousands of people who make first-time commitments to Christ because a Christian was loving and sensitive enough at the altar call to say, I'll walk with you. Believe it or not, I just spoke to this man last night, and he said it was a lady in the church that came up to me and said, if you'd like to go forward... I'll walk with you. He said, my first response was, nah. He said, I was thinking in my mind, there's, there's no help for me. I've heard this all before. There's no help for me. She said, no, this is your night, and I need to walk with you. Let's go. Now, that was a step beyond even what I asked, because I always, always ask people to be very sensitive. Walked that man down the aisle, got down on his knees, received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, and now two or two plus years later, God's restored his marriage, God's restored his children, God's restored his home. He now is a successful businessman. His business is booming. Had one of the best years of his life financially and in business last year during COVID that he's ever had. Why? Because the seeds of greatness were already there. They just needed to be washed in the blood and brought back to life. You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So step number one, you have to know God created growth. You have to believe, even by faith, you have to believe that no matter where you're at in life, it's the lowest place that you'll ever be, even if you're successful, because the path of God is always forward and always upward. And you have to be willing to examine your life from time to time and say, Lord, I'm doing really well, but I should be doing better. And every day I want to do better. Because growth isn't always overnight. You don't plant seeds on Monday morning and have a harvest Monday night. You just have to keep planting good seeds in good soil and nurturing them consistently. And when you do that through habit, through decision, through discipline, time begins to produce the seed that was produced. Lastly, and I close with this, God commended growth. He created growth. He commanded growth. He commended growth. In the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25, we see the same principles. 
Those who are fruitful will be blessed and those who do nothing will be judged. All of these modern preachers that are trying to tell you that socialism is actually a biblical concept are brain dead. It is not a biblical principle. The reference they always give out of the book of Acts is a one-time event of a time in localized church persecution where they were forced to share and to survive. But God is a capitalist and don't ever forget it. He said, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. That's not socialism. That's capitalism. He said, if the tree isn't producing fruit, cut it down and get it out of my garden. That's not socialism. That's capitalism. The strong survive. The fruitful survive. The abundant dominate. A lot of people don't like to hear that kind of preaching, but I'm sorry it's in the Bible and I make no apology for it. I've lived by faith for 42 years. I know of what I speak today. Matthew 25, verses 27 through 30. Why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. Don't miss this. Verse 29. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. Wow. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Two lessons out of that I want to make sure you understand. Number one, those who use well what God entrusts to them will always be promoted and advance and will always have an abundance. Number two, those who are lazy and sluggards and compromisers and walk without integrity and live like the world owes them everything and embrace entitlement, they'll lose even what little they have. Can I hear an amen? amen. A couple of closing points and we pray. Don't miss this. I want you to write this down. This is a solid piece of biblical gold. Your promotion with God is always directly connected to your production for God. Your promotion with God is always directly connected to your production for God. The anointing of abundance is in action. The anointing of abundance is in action. And these ministries that sit at computers for eight hours a day and wonder why nothing's happening. Now, there are some positive things you can do on computers. You can study, you can research, you can write. But you had better do more than sit on your fanny eight hours a day in an office if you're going to amount anything in the kingdom of God. Work ethic is biblical. Now, let me give you something really, really practical. From our office, and you can eat this fish and spit out the bones. But as a leader, Lord, help me to cover this in the last three minutes. As a leader, here's how lost lamb works. And by the way, lost lamb, uh, both in souls 
and in finances had its best year ever in the year of COVID. I had four months of meetings canceled. Now, all of them wanted to reschedule, but originally we were told this might be worse than the Spanish flu. Millions in America are going to die, and people were panicked, and I judged no one. But when it came to my Friday staff meetings and getting my finance report on Friday, for four months on the line item that says crusade honorariums, it for four months was 0.00 for four months. But we had the best year financially we've ever had because God is a God of multiplication and God has all kinds of seeds. And when you're tuned into the things of the Spirit, God always shows you how to be blessed even if the devil's trying to shut stuff down. When the devil closes one door or tries to, God will open ten more. The Bible says your enemies come against you one way, but they'll flee seven. So in our office, it's my job as the visionary to pray and to fast and to get directives from God. I do that every January. I start the new year every January with a season of fasting. For many, many years, all the years my kids were growing up, that was 21 days. I set the first 21 days of January aside. I only drank water. I prayed and fasted and got the mind of God. Now, you say 21 days. I fasted one entire week for my family. My wife, my son, my daughter, our marriage, our family, everything dealing with family, I dedicated a week to that. I'm not telling you to fast 21 days. In fact, if you're not in ministry, I am not of the camp that people who are not in ministry should do prolonged fasts. Don't have time to walk down that road. Uh, I have a YouTube video on fasting. Listen to it. Number two, I took a week to fast and to pray for the vision and the directives of our ministry, Lost Lamb Association. And then the third week, I took an entire week to fast and to pray for a supernatural anointing to come upon my life when I call people to Christ at the end of our preaching. And I did that most of my life. Now, I got directives from God. I wrote them down. I used to sit in the afternoon with a legal pad in my office with the door shut, not praying, maybe praying quietly in the Spirit under my breath, but listening. The Bible says, my sheep know my voice. God, I'm going to sit down with this notebook, and I'm so serious about your directives. Whatever you speak to me, I'm going to write down. I'm going to prioritize it, and with the help of God, I'm going to make it happen. And I would get specific direction from God. Now, I take that into staff meetings, and I break those directives down into bite-sized pieces. Depending on the skill sets of the people in my office, assignments are made. When I gave assignments to staff, they were broken down three ways, A, B, and C. They were broken down what has to happen to get this goal achieved and executed. And then what has to happen to make this come to fruition was broken down into priorities under ABC with the things of A being primary. And my staff knows don't work on B objectives until you've got your A objectives done. Don't work on B objectives until all A's done, then B, then C. Prioritize and strategize the effectiveness of goal accomplishment. And then I ask them to give me a date. Give me a date as to when you feel 
with good work and work ethic and in the eyes of God making best use of your time, give me a date that it'll take to get your job done. And so those objectives that came from fasting and prayer translated to the team, broken down into bite-sized pieces, and then dated. Well, they went into my calendar. And if I expected something to be done on November 22nd, then you know the first staff meeting after November 22nd, you better have said, done. Because I didn't tell you when to get it done. I told you how long will it take you to get it done. You have to do more than pray and speak in tongues and preach. You have to work. And you not only have to work, you have to work purposefully. You have to work systematically. You have to work spiritually. And many people fail not because they're visionary, but because their work ethic doesn't match their vision. I could retire today if I wanted I could decide I'm not working another day in my life. I'm going to retire. Sit back, take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But you will never hear of a day in my life when Tiff Shuttlesworth retires. You retire from secular jobs, but you can never retire from sacred mission. And so I conclude with giving you just some of the practicality of how we execute and remind you that if you're going to produce and if you're going to grow, you not only have to understand those three steps, God created it, God commanded it, God commended it, but the knowledge then has to be taken into a bite-sized graph of execution. And you put work ethic with it, and prayer with it, and fasting with it. And if you will listen to what I have shared with you today in this brief 30 minutes, it will completely, radically change your forward and upward trajectory all the days of your life. If you believe it and receive it, give the Lord a mighty shout of praise. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would take the seed of the Word. As we started in the Bible, stayed in the Bible, and finished in the Bible, let the seed of the Word be branded into their spirit, and may they never accept average, may they never accept mediocrity, May they be challenged to believe God for greater all the days of their life. And I pray that you would graciously come alongside of them. And as you do for all, graciously bring people into their life that will help them to accomplish those God-given goals. And again, keep us all ready for your soon coming, we pray. If there's anyone listening somehow, some way through social media that does not know Christ, I pray that today they would admit their sin believe in Jesus Christ, and make a commitment to Him by faith in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for watching today. I think this is one that you want to listen to at least twice. So I would encourage you also to share this on your Facebook page. I know that it will help other leaders. If you're a pastor, this is a great, a, a great one to sit down and let your staff listen to. You know, many times what we do is we get trained as the leaders, but we don't pass it on to our staff. And you have this on video. You can send this link to your staff and say, I would like you to, ha I'd like you to watch this by this date, and I'd like you to take notes and uh, share with me what you were able to glean from this biblical teaching on increase and growth. If you do that, 
then your team will be on the same page. If your team's on the same page, then you're going to move in the right direction because you're moving in the same direction. So make sure you share this with your team, and you'll see that God will bless you. You can visit us also on empoweringpastors.com. Also want to remind you here in March, we do Empowering Summit or Empower Summit, where we're going to be bringing in great leaders to be able to infuse into you and your staff, and especially the pastor's wives. We have a special thing just for pastor's wives, where my wife takes you out, we spoil you. Pastor's wives are many, many times the ones that people forget. So we honor the pastor's wives as well. So we'd love to have you with us in the month of March uh, at Empower Summit. Go to our website, empoweringpastors.com, and the wives can go to empoweringpastorswives.com to be able to sign up for Empower Summit in the month of March 2022. Thank you so much for watching, and make sure you share this with other people. Have a great day.